yesterday, and you know, we had our face mask on. I felt like putting two or three on. There was one lady in line ahead of us in a hospital gown. Kathy said, doesn't that give you some confidence? And, uh, you know, and then, then a lady a couple rows up from us was coughing up a lung. And Kathy goes, does she have a face mask? I said, I'm looking. Yeah, I think she's got one. I'm talking loud enough, you know. I hope she's got a face mask, you know. And uh, so we're like back there, like, pointing the air forward, so it blew forward, you know. So it's just like, so it's like, man, detox my lungs here. But I always carry some uh, Dr. Tishner's with me. So every time I went to the hotel room, <laughs> Dr. Tishner's cures poison ivy, athlete's foot, kills, kills COVID, everything. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm spraying, and, uh, you know, but we had a great time. We were around about 12,000 other pastors and missionaries and got all kinds of, uh, my favorite part, I, we, we had some great services, but my favorite part was the exhibition hall. I've never seen that many resources in one place. So I had a whole suitcase full of ideas uh, coming back, and, uh, and so it was great. And, uh, and, and so just a refreshing time. But uh, we're coming out of summer in conferences, and it's time to kind of get focused. And uh, that's why we're doing the 21 days of prayer, is uh, to get us focused on doing what God wants us to do as we come into the fall. Fall is my favorite time of year. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, you got football season starting. And while I hadn't been watching the Olympics a whole lot, Unfortunately, we're, the Olympics are the lowest rated uh, Olympics ever right now. But some of the gold medalists, I don't know if you've noticed, have been given such glory to God. I mean, this lady that won, I think, five gold medals in track and field is just talking about God's will for her life. And she said, I won't win every race, but my, my goal is to honor God and my behavior. And I'm going, woo! You know, and she's respecting the flag and all this. And I'm, you know, and, uh, you know, the... Women's soccer team, I was pulling against them. Thankfully, they only got bronze, you know. But, um, you know, this has got some anti, anti – look, we live in a great country. And, and the athletes from those other countries would love to represent this country. Uh, you know, we were, we were joking. There's some countries you go back, if you lose, your family's already in the gulag. And, uh, you know, and you're going there if you, you, know, if you don't do well in, in the old days. So, anyway, we want to get focused on what God's got us to do and – and fall, there'll be some crispness in the air, so don't miss that day that that happens. And, uh, you know, but uh, I always look, I, it, it's been a couple years, but I remember a September where there was a cool breeze came through, you know, and it's just like, okay, fall's here. The harvest is coming, you know, and, and, uh, and so it's also a time of spiritual harvest. So we're going we're gonna to continue to refocus, but to do that, We've kind of got to detox because these toxins seep into our lives. And last week, we talked about a spiritual detox. We talked about how we've got to get to doubt and negativity and sin out of our lives by filling our spirit man with the Word of God, with prayer and worship. And so uh, we talked about doing that, and you've got to put those things out and put those other things in. And, and we, we talked about the importance of that. And this week, we're going to look at our soul now. So we got a spirit and a soul. Well, soul is your mind, will, and emotions. It's who you are. And, uh, and so we want to, and, and toxins can get in. I mean, you know, we get all kinds of, you watch TV and toxins are coming in. Uh, you're listening to certain music and toxins are coming in. I mean, all kinds of things, meanness, anger, uh, greed, lust, disrespect, uh, selfishness, all these things 
can come into our minds, into our soul, and they pollute us. And, uh, and so we want to detox from all that. Look what, look what Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. He said, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Now, that don't team up means don't have close relationships. Don't be a partner. Don't be yoked with them. Um, and, you know, we live in the world, but we're called to be separate from the world. Now, we can't get out of the world, but we've got to live differently. And that's what he's saying. You know, he says, how can righteousness partner with wickedness? I mean, it can't. You know, how can light live with darkness? You know, if you pull in the light of Christ, darkness flees. If you've ever been caving, I used to cave. It is a miracle of God. I'm here. We used to go down in these caves. We'd drop down different levels and go through these little... Well, we went through passages that I couldn't fit through today. And, uh, you know, and, and, and we didn't even leave strings to find our way out, but we got out. I mean, you know, but, um, you know, if you put light, it lights up the thing. And, I mean, those caves were so dark that when I dyed my hair black, you could not have seen me. I mean, uh, I dyed my hair one time. Kathy said, you know, the, we were doing a place that disciples don't uh, have gray hair. And, and so I dyed my hair. I said, well, I looked at an old picture. I had black hair. So I went got some just for men black. I glowed in the darkness of my house. But you couldn't have seen me in the cave. Well, maybe you could have because it was pretty dark. I washed it six times before I went to church, and everybody laughed, you know, when I got there. But, but uh, it says, you know, light lights up the darkness and chases the darkness of evil away. He says, what harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? There can't be any. The devil been trying to kill Jesus ever since he came to earth, right? Uh, you know, and, and, and so uh, how can we be a partner with an unbeliever? What he's telling us is we've got to separate from the world, from the culture. We've got to be different in the way we dress, the way we talk, the way we act, the way we work, the way we play. Everything needs to be different than the rest of the world. When people are mean, we need to be kind. I mean, we could go on and on. There's, there's all kinds. We've just got to be different. And he said, what, can, what union can there be between God's temple and idols? Now, I grew up, you know, you respected the church building. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, you couldn't even bring a Coke in the sanctuary or a cup of coffee or anything. Now we, we do that here. But I know some of y'all you know, feel kind of goofy about that and everything. Uh, you know, and, and, and you'll hear people say, y'all not to talk that way in the church or y'all not to do that in the church or whatever, you know. I can remember we did a, a youth thing one time in the church building. And uh, the youth pastor almost got fired. It was a Nerf ball uh, or a ner- Nerf gun, you know, those things that shoot foam rubber. And we had kids hidden all over, and you'd go hunting them. One kid brought motion detectors from his dad's office so he could get hear, see people coming down the hall and nail them with that Nerf gun. And, 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 and somebody went in the sanctuary. Oh, man, you'd have thought that we had a, a beer bash in there or something. And, and, you know, but here's the deal. We don't get off that easy look. Look what, 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 what Paul says. He says, we are the temple of the living God. That means we're the church. Church is in you. Church is in you. So if you wouldn't bring it in the church building, don't bring it into yourself. Think about that. We're the church. God said, I will live in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. You see, if we, if we wouldn't bring it into this building or you know something we respected like that, we should never bring it in ourselves because we're the church. We're the, we're the temple of God. We're where God lives. When we become a Christian, his spirit is put in us, and he lives in you. He said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they'll be my people. And then he says this, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourself from them. 
Don't touch their filthy things. He's talking about the things that this world has to offer. It's not saying that going and working and making money is a bad thing, but being greedy is. He's not saying that, that uh, you know, we're, uh, participating in sports and all that, but if it comes your God or your idol, it is. You know, he's saying we've got to separate out from that. He said, and I will welcome you. I will be your father and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So we've got to, we're being told to live differently. We've got to separate from some things. We've got to separate from the ugliness of this world and, and, uh, and don't touch those filthy things. And he said, I will be your father and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. Let's work towards complete holiness. Now, I feel like I need a body detox after eating out every week, but we're going to talk about that next week. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I'm happy to say I lost almost a pound, even though I was eating out. And, and, and let me just say, the restaurant and the hotel had my favorite dessert, soft-serve ice cream. And, and uh, then they had pecan pie and they had apple pie and all kinds of stuff you can put soft-serve ice cream on top of. But we're... We want to get these toxins out of us. So let's, let's look at soul detoxins for a little bit today. And, and if you need a soul detox, here's how you know. It says, look at Psalm 42.5. It says, why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crying the blues? Now listen, if you're down in the dumps and you're crying the blues all the time, and that's kind of where you are, you need a soul detox. Because he says, fix my eyes on God. Soon I'll be praising again. He puts a smile on my face. For he is my God. Now, there are tons of toxins that creep in to our soul. I already said some greed, lust, I mean selfishness, envy, bitterness, stealing, laziness. And we're just going to look at a few. We're not going to look at all hundreds of them that could, could go. So I want us to look at, at a couple of these. One, these are some big ones, I think, that I see a lot of people struggle with. Number one, unforgiveness. Man, that creeps in. Unforgiveness will pollute your life like nothing else. And when you're holding bitterness in... And, and, and you, your, your kind of mindset is, I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them. I mean, they've moved on. They don't even know you're still mad at them. They've moved on, and, and you're still holding that bitterness. Somebody said uh, unforgiveness is like setting yourself on fire and hoping the other person dies of smoke inhalation. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. It kills you, doesn't do a thing to them. But we hold on to that unforgiveness. Hebrews says this, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Then he says this, watch out that no poisonous root of what? Bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Bitterness will corrupt you and destroy every area of your life. It will mess up your relationships. It will mess up your work. It will mess up your play. It will mess up your life. It will do that. It's kind of like, it's kind of like Boudreaux one time. Boudreaux came, to, came back to the story. He said, Came and saw Thibodeau, and he, he said, um, Thibodeau said, man, what, what that lump on your chest? And Boudreaux said, man, you know how Clotilde come in here and slap me on the chest all the time? He said, well, I'm going to get her. She come in here and slap me now. I got dynamite on my chest. going to blow her hand off. And that's kind of what bitterness is. It's like we're we going to kill ourselves to make them feel bad. It's like, a, it's like somebody says, you know what? I'm going to show them. And I've, I've, I've heard kids say this when I was doing suicide prevention. I'm going to show them. I'll kill myself, and then they'll be sorry. And I'd go, but you're going to be dead. Yeah, but they're going to be sorry. 
I mean, think about it. That's what, that's what unforgiveness and bitterness does. And so Paul says this in Ephesians. He said, get rid of all bitterness. Let me tell you, we've got to let it go. You might not think that's fair. It's not. But I don't want fair. You know what fair is? Fair is Robert has to pay the price for his own sins. Not fair is Jesus dying for what I did. Okay? I don't want fair. I don't want justice. I want mercy and I want grace. And so he says, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of anger. Get rid of rage. Get rid of your harsh words. Y'all, y'all, you think this place would be a little bit better if harsh words were banned off of Facebook, Twitter, and all those other things? I mean, and, I mean, people have lost all sense of decency the way we speak to each other because we can do it safely. People say stuff to you on Facebook they'd never say to your face. We've just lost that. He said, get rid of that. Get rid of harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. He said, get rid of that. So you say, well, how do you do that, Pastor Robert? Instead, he said, be kind to each other. So you've got to replace it with something. You've got to say, I'm going to choose not to be mean. I'm going to be tenderhearted. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to forgive people instead of holding in bitterness. I'm going to do that. Why? Because Jesus has forgiven me. He said, do it just because God in Christ has forgiven you. So, whoa, wait a minute. So I've got to forgive you. I've got to be kind to you. I've got to be nice to you. Why? Because God's been nice to me. Let me tell you, there is nothing I will ever have to forgive in someone else that God has not forgiven way worse than me. I want you to think about that. I mean, Jesus paid a price for my sin on a cross so I could live eternally with him. There's nothing I will ever have to forgive someone else of that's worse than that. So do yourself a favor and let it go. Forgive them. Let them off the hook and set yourself free. Another one, a big one, is comparison. Man, this happens a lot today. Uh, you know, what do other people think? What, what are they thinking? Uh, you just begin, all of a sudden you start finding yourself acting like you think others want you to act. Let me tell you, that, that's pressure. When I went to this conference, I'm walking through the lobby of this place with a mask, and it was like 15 minutes before I saw the first other person with a mask on. It, you you tempted to, okay, I'm going to fit in. and t- You know what? I just I don't care what they think. They can get COVID. I'm not, you know. And, uh, and, and so you, you, the pressure is to what, compare ourselves, compare ourselves. So I think there's a big identity crisis going on in our country today. See, we get what... What our identity from social media, you see these pictures in these magazines or on, on TV of the perfect looking person. Ladies, y'all see somebody that's been, had thousands of dollars of Photoshop done to their picture, and then you're going to try and do it in 30 minutes in the morning before you go to work. It just doesn't work that way. And, then, and so you start feeling bad because you don't look like that. And, and, and so, you know, I mean, it's just crazy. We want to compare ourselves. We get our, our identity from that. Too many times we do that. Or if I put something on social media and it doesn't get enough likes. <sighs> Man, nobody likes me. They didn't like my statement that I made. Listen, we've got to learn to get our self-image from God. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said, but if you're bitterly jealous or if there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth by boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness or comparing yourself are not God's kind of wisdom. 
Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So we've got to stop doing that. We've got to stop being jealous of what somebody else is. I mean, it's always, you can always find somebody that's got more money than you, bigger house, better car, preaches better, sings better, plays better, whatever it is. We've got to learn to just accept who we are in Christ and get our, our, our image from him. For whatever, where there's jealousy and selfish ambition, you will find disorder. Underline that or circle that on your notes. Disorder or a sick soul is what you're going to find. You're going to find that your life just doesn't work and there'll be evil of every kind. Uh, you know, maybe some of us need a social media detox. I don't know. To where you just don't even look at the... The looks. You know, I made, I made the mistake every now and then of looking at comments under some people's comments. I might, it might be a Franklin Graham or it might be a NOLA.com article. And you look at the comments and you go, this is a sick society. <laughs> you know, and so just don't look at that stuff. Take a break. Get off of it. I, I don't do much social media at all. So if you put I'm sick or somebody died on social media, I might find out about it next month sometime. I put stuff on there like, Hey, church is fixing to happen, you know, and, and stuff like that. And uh, so you need to call me. That's why my number's on the on the website. If something's going on, if you're in the hospital, uh, we, you know, it. it but we, maybe you need to get off of that for a little while and let that go and let that go. Stop comparing yourself. God has made you in His image, and He's made you wonderfully made. Somebody told me one time, God don't make junk. He didn't start with you. And uh, and so you know, I used to. I used to think, man, if I was just a little bigger and stronger. Then one time I jumped and came down and flipped my ankle over, and the doctor said, you know what, if you're about five pounds heavier, you'd have broke your leg. I'm going, hey, thanks, I'm, I'm uh, thin, not too heavy, you know, at the time. And then I'm thinking, man, if I was just a little faster, a little quicker, I could, I could outrun some of these guys. And I, I flipped an ankle one time making a cut, and the doctor said, man, it's a good thing you're kind of, you know, little and small because you'd have broke your leg if you'd have done that. So I'm thinking, God, you know, I'm. I'm just slow and uh, small at the time. You've got to be thankful for how he's made you, you know. And, um, and so it'd be easy for us to compare. We've got to stop the comparison thing and be thankful for what God's given. Uh, another one is anger. Man, I've never seen as much anger out in our culture as there is now. I mean, you, you read the paper, it is article after article after article talks about people's anger. You see it on TV. Uh, people are angry uh, at, at politics. I mean, they're angry at the vaccine. They're angry at, at uh, people trying to tell them to have the vaccine. They're angry at their kids. They're angry that they got to wear a face mask. I mean, just, just the other day, I mean, it's like we're in the middle of this thing, and you got hundreds of people lining up at a school board meeting on the North Shore going, no mask, no mask. Are you stupid? Wear the mask. You know, don't spread this thing. And, uh, you know, the first wave, less than a percent of the children were catching it. This wave, 28% of kids in Louisiana are catching COVID. And, and, and the children's hospital ICU is full of COVID. And so we need to, you know, people are mad about stuff. People are mad about, you know what, I mean, I don't like driving, you know, the speed limit. But I, I do most of the time. You know, and, and so we get mad about things. James says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? I mean, think about it. What makes you mad? Is it your boss? Is it me telling you that you need to get a vaccine or a face mask? I see your eyes. Is it the school board? Is it the governor? My wife's over here going, 
Here's what James said. Don't, it, don't they come from the desires that battle within you? Don't your fights and quarrels come from the desires that battle within you? See, I've discovered that the biggest common denominator in everything I've ever been mad about, me. It's me. It, it boils down to you didn't get something you wanted and you got mad about it. You see, we, he says this, you want something but you don't get it. So you kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want, so you quarrel and fight. And, and see, we want something, we can't get it, and, and that's the thing, that's the bottom line. That's what's going on in our culture. You've got one political side wants something, another political side wants something, they're not getting it, and so they get mad. Used to, we would compromise and come in the middle. Used to, we could say, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm for the vaccine, I'm not for the vaccine, and we could still be okay. You know, now we throw rocks at each other. You know, used to, we could, we, could, we could disagree agreeably, you know. But he says, some people want it, so you kill and covet, but you don't have what you want. Let me tell you something. We think, well, driving's where it gets me. Pastor Kathy's always saying, you know, they didn't cut you off. They're like 15 car lengths ahead, you know. But I'm going real fast, and they're going real slow. And you go, I had a right to that lane. They didn't need to get in front of me. Yeah, I'm, see, I'm not the only one. That guy cut me off. Or, or I had a right to a happy life. But he blew it by cheating on me or she blew it by leaving me or whatever. And now I'm miserable. And I'm going to be miserable and I'm going to make everybody else miserable. I, I had a right to that raise, but, but then I didn't get it. See, we get get upset because it's something we wanted but here's the here's the bottom line what do we do about it here's here's what happens he said james said you don't have it because you don't ask god we don't get god involved from the beginning you see the things that we don't have we don't have you know why she gets good parking places she asked god for good parking places she got the connection start letting her drive me around See, here's the thing. We're not angry because somebody cut us off. We're not angry because our spouse didn't live up to our expectations or our boss is mean or even Washington, D.C. We're angry because we didn't get something we wanted and we didn't ask God. We didn't ask God. So we've got we've to we've turn that anger loose. Let me tell you, we've got to turn that anger loose. If we don't, it'll eat you up. And so we've got we've to get rid of of that rage, that anger, just like Paul said. Another one is worry. Now, some of y'all have perfected worry. You've taken it to a new level of fear, just outright fear. Worry is taking responsibility for something God never intended you to be responsible for. Worry is trying to change the past and, and control the future, and it pollutes your now. That's not in your notes, but that's a good statement. It's, that's why I put it on the screen. It's trying to change the past and can control the future, and it pollutes your now. If you worry of going to every area of your life, it'll, it'll, it'll graduate to fear. And some of y'all are worried about the economy. You're worried about what's going to happen in the economy and, and, and all this. Maybe you're, you know, you're worried about, you know, if you're watching religious TV, sometimes they'll start talking about blood moon and, and all this stuff's going to happen with the blood moon, and it never does. But, uh, you know, and, 
or maybe you're worried about COVID, or you're worried about the, the elections, or the next elections, or the last elections, or, or you're worried about what's going to happen tomorrow at work, or, or you're worried about what's, what's the next thing they're going to do uh, with this pandemic. Jesus said this, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Think about that. It actually will shorten your life. It actually will shorten your life. Jesus said, hey, look, you can worry all day long, and it's not going to lengthen your life at all. And, uh, and, and let me tell you, this life isn't all there is. We've got to understand that. This life, there's another life coming, and that's called eternity. Somebody should have said amen to that. There's another life coming, and, and, it's, and it's a good life. It's a good life. And, uh, and so Paul said he's a stranger in this land. Let me tell you something. I love this country, but my citizenship's in heaven because I'm going to be in heaven a whole lot longer than I'm going to be in Louisiana. And the food in heaven's good, too, just like it is here, all right? So let's look at how do we soul detox. What do we do? How do we detox this? Proverbs, Solomon says this, keep your heart with all diligence. Watch your heart. Guard your heart. For out of it springs all the issues of life. If we let our soul get polluted, it will impact all the issues of our life. It will impact every area of our life. So I'm going to give you just a few areas that we need to detox and, and to do. So if you want your soul detox, you've got to have, write this down, right relationships. See, God's solution to your toxic soul is people. People going in the right direction. You know, God said it's not good for the man to be alone. It's, it, we all need people we can trust, people we can talk to. That's why it's important to be in church in person, to be around, to build friendships. Uh, you know, we need, we need those relationships. You know, people that we can share our worries with, people that you can call and say, I got that raise. I got cured. I mean, I, I had COVID yesterday and I'm better today or whatever it is that you can share that with. How many of you, it's like being, a, you don't want to be like the pastor that skipped church and went and hit a hole in one on the golf course on Sunday. He, he can't tell anybody. And something good happens, I'm on the phone to her. She's in jail. Sometimes the phone doesn't work, you know. But, but uh, you know, you, you got to get a group of people that, can, that you can talk to. Look what Proverbs says. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. Man, we need, we need to be walking with people going the same direction we are. When I became a Christian, I had a group of about eight to ten guys that we grew together, and, and we were walking in the same direction, and, and when one of us was thinking about doing something stupid, the other one said, don't you do something stupid. And a couple of them were real big, and they said, I'm going to hurt you if you do something stupid. You know what I mean? You want, you want people in your life that can say, don't do that. That's a mistake. People that you'll hear it from. You've got to earn that right, and you've got to build those relationships. You need people that, it, that will say, look, this is the way you need to go, that you can trust that they love you no matter what happens, but they're walking in the same direction. We want those relationships. We want to walk with the wise and become wise. But he says associate with fools and you get in trouble. He doesn't say you become stupid. He doesn't say you become unwise. He said you get in trouble. She can tell you story after story, Pastor Kathy can, of somebody that was just with somebody that did something bad and they went to jail just like the one that did it. You get in trouble when you hang out with the wrong people. Bad company corrupts good character every single time. Walk with the wise and become wise. That's why it's important to be involved in church. That's why it's important to be in a group or on a ministry team 
to participate. We need those right relationships. Guys need somebody that can look at them and say, that's not worth half. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy, like half of everything you own. That's what happens when you cheat. You lose it all. That's not worth the destruction. You, need, you guys need somebody. We, some of us need somebody to say, look, you don't need that second piece of lemon icebox pie. We need those people in our lives. We need people that say, did you read your Bible this morning that, that you'll hear it from? Go open it up. We need people that, that will speak. We've got to have that. We've got to have that in our life. That's why it's important to be involved. Another thing that we need is a God-defined identity. A God-defined identity. We talked about this comparison thing where people are getting their, their ideas from Hollywood or social media and all these things, and, and, and we're comparing ourselves, and we got this identity that, you know, and you think, well, I don't want to be one of those weird Christians. I don't, I don't want to be a holy roller. Look, God has made me holy and put my name on the roll, so I am a holy roller. We all need to have that. We need to walk in confidence of who God has made us. We need to have an identity defined by God. In Galatians, Paul says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given. Every single person in the body of Christ is important. Every single person. Uh, Joey in the back running the, the, the screens is important. The sound is important. If you can't hear me and you don't see the scriptures, you're not with me, okay? Or if it's messing up and it's a distraction, those people are as important as anybody. We all fit together and make this work. The people watching your children and teaching them about Jesus right now are important. Everybody, he said, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given. Know what your strengths are. Know what your weaknesses are. What your, what your, what your passions are. Some of y'all are passionate about helping people, these kids down the street with Fuel the Future. Others want to help the homeless. And so, you know, we do that. And, and, and so what are your passions? You need to know what those are. And then he says this, once you, once you don't define yourself by what everybody else does, and if you don't define yourself, everyone else will have a def definition. And we've had people come into the church that want this church to go in a different direction than what, we're, what Pastor Kathy and I believe God has given us, and we're, we're going to stay true to what God's calling us to do. But, but he says, once you define who you are in Christ and the gifts you've been given, he says, sink yourself into that. In other words, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Do it with all your might. You, once you know, you sink yourself into that. You do it with all your heart, all your strength, all your might. Then he says this, don't be impressed with yourself. Let me tell you, it's God that gives us the gifts. I forget who I was telling this. Oh, there's people at the table eating the other day, and, and I was talking about when I was an introvert, and they all started laughing. And I said, people thought I was stuck up because I was so shy. I wouldn't talk in a group. I wouldn't talk in a group. And, 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 and listen, God changed me. This, this Me up here is, is a God thing. Kathy's going, God, can't you make him be quiet sometime? I mean, you know, don't compare yourself with others. See, we all struggle with this. I mean, I, I look at other pastors. I mean, man. 
We'll give you a test. Get ready, get ready, get ready. See, crickets. If T.D. Jake said that, everybody would go, whoa! Yeah! But I'm not T.D. Jakes. He's an awesome preacher. I'm just going to be Robert, and I'm going to preach the way I preach. At least some of y'all laughed. It wasn't total crickets, you know. But anyway. I mean, T.D. Jakes, I mean, it's amazing. The anointing on him. He'll, he'll walk out on stage, get ready, get ready, get ready. And people are like up on their feet going crazy, you know. And then, then he brings a word. So we've got to have a God-defined identity. Look at this next one. We've got to have a, live a crucified life. We've got to live a crucified life. That means you start every day and ask God, what is in me that you want out of me? Lord, what is it that I need to crucify in my life today? I'm going to crucify my desires for today. I'm going to crucify my plans for today. I want what you want, God, in my life. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't want you to go to work. That doesn't mean he doesn't want you to be on time for work, that he wants you to work hard and do your best. But I want what you want. That might mean that he wants you to witness to somebody at work. That might mean that he wants you to, to let somebody break in line at the, at the lunch line or whatever it is. I'm going to crucify my selfishness. I'm going to crucify my desires. Look what Paul said in Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. That means I'm going to crucify my greed. I'm going to crucify my desires for your desires, God. You kill your plans. You crucify those old selves that's full of, of, of your, your stinginess, your selfishness, your hopelessness. I'm killing that, God. I'm, I'm putting it to death with you, Jesus. And he said this, it's no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. Lord, I don't want to live my life. I want you to live your life in me. I'm going to crucify all this other stuff. I'm going to crucify my politics because I want Jesus inside me. I'm going to crucify my anger because I want Jesus living in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself me today Lord I choose to follow you I'm going to replace my flesh my carnal nature with your Holy Spirit I'm going to replace anger I'm going to replace unforgiveness jealousy I'm going to replace it with kindness and forgiveness and contentment you see if you crucify yourself you're not going to be angry because dead people can't be angry if you crucify yourself you're not going to be selfish because dead people can't be selfish. We've got to crucify ourselves. Let me tell you something. I want you to hear me good on this. This life will always disappoint you. This life will always disappoint you. The perfect life you think you're leaving, living is going to fail. You, you might enjoy that perfect health, but something's going to pop up. You, 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 might, you might all of a sudden, you can do all kinds of things, and all of a sudden you realize you can't do the things you used to could do. I remember... When my brother and me had to tell my dad, don't climb up on the top of the roof anymore and blow off the roof. We'll come do it, you know, and stuff like that. You can't do something. Some of you are going to try and remember what it was like to sleep all night. Some of y'all with me already, all right. Those kids that you put everything into are going to disappoint you. This life will disappoint us. That's why we've got to have this next thing, which is an eternal perspective. We've got to have an eternal perspective. In our lives. You see when we lose somebody we love. We grieve. Then we look at eternity. 
and we know we're going to see him again. I miss my mom every day. I talk to my mom on the phone every time I get in the car. I'd call her, and she said, where are we riding to today? And I said, well, we're over here. And she'd talk about wanting to drive five minutes away, how far it was. And I've gone, like, from West Bank to the East Bank, back to the West Bank, you know, and, and, or whatever, you know. And, 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 and so, Mama, we've been talking. I've, I've driven further than, than Rome is, you know. And, uh, and, and so we got, but you know what? I'm going to see her again. Why? Because we have eternity. You see, I'm going to be here. Well, she was here 99 years. And, 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 but she's going to be in eternity forever. You're going to be in eternity. If you know Jesus, you're going to be in eternity forever. We've got to have an eternal perspective. See, I'm, dis- I'm disappointed in a lot of stuff in this world, but I'm not discouraged because I've got eternal perspective. See, I know that we've got eternity ahead of us. I might be disappointed in the politics, and I am, man. It's ugly. I'll say another day, why would anybody want to get into it? Because they, they know everything about you. They know, they, and then what they don't know, they make up. I mean, you know, why would anybody want to do that? Then, or I, I might be disappointed in people. I'm very disappointed in the way that people treat each other today. It's crazy, the culture. But let me tell you, my citizenship isn't here. It's there. My citizenship's in heaven. Paul says, thence, then you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above. Set your hearts on things above. Set your heart on things in heaven. We need to be looking at heaven one day. We need to live like heaven is at stake. Because it is. He said, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Folks, we gotta, we got to look up. we got to look up. That's where our health comes from. That's where our strength comes from. And that's where we're going. He said, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. See, my life is in the future, most of it. Joyce Meyer said this morning, I was listening, and uh, she said, you know what? In th- this life right here is just breakfast in eternity. I said, I like that because I like breakfast, you know what I mean? I'm eating my peanut butter toast, you know, while she's saying that. And, and she says, it's just breakfast. The rest of the day, that's eternity. Man, we got eternity to look forward to. Heaven is real, and it's real good, and we'll be there one day. And so your loved ones that have gone on, my loved ones that have gone on, we'll see them. That's why I don't have to worry about what's happening here. I mean, does that mean I'm not going to vote? Does that mean I'm not going to work to make things better? I am. Does that mean I'm going to get bent out of shape and hate, hate on you because you didn't think the same way as me? No, because we're going to heaven. And you know what? The politics in heaven aren't ugly because we serve the king of kings, and he's not, he's not woke. He's not right. He's not left. He's perfect. And he's loving. And he's just, and we're going to be there, and we're going to, it's a good place. It's a good place. I mean, that's what we, that's what we hope for. Some of y'all needed to hear that. We, we need to have this hope. This life is just the beginning. So once again, Psalm 42, 5. He said, why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crying the blues? Look at this. Fix my eyes on God. When we put our eyes on God, you can't help but start praising Him again. And He'll put a smile on your face because everybody say this with me. He's my God. Say it again. He's my God. We've got to have an eternal perspective. The next blank, I know some of y'all are thinking I'm backsliding because there's a blank. 
You've got to fill that in. I will establish right relationships. I'll identify myself how God identifies me. I'll live a crucified life. What are you going to crucify today? What are you going to crucify tomorrow? I'll live with an eternal perspective. If we do that, God will rock your world. God will rock. You know what happens? When we, if we do these things, we're going, we're going, it's going to be like a ripple. We're going to begin impacting people because, you know what, people, people aren't impressed with what we know. They're impressed with how we love them. And when they see us not being afraid, being safe, but not being afraid, and they see in a worrisome situation where we're not worrying, but we've got faith, we're walking in faith, you know what's going to happen? They're going to say, how can you be so calm? How can you seem to be walking in faith? How can you believe things are going to be okay when everything's crazy? And you can say, because I believe in God. Because I've got an eternal perspective. I've filled my life with the Word of God. I've filled it with prayer. I've filled it with praise. I define who I am by my relationship with Jesus, not by who anybody says I am. And I'm living a crucified life. You know what? When I kill my desires and live the way God wants me to live, it works a lot better. It works a lot better. I want you to bow your heads. If you're watching today or you're in this room and you've never committed your life to Jesus, I'm talking about a personal relationship. I want to give you an opportunity to do that because here's the thing. God created you in His image, but our sin broke that image. And broke that relationship. And he wants that relationship with us. And so our God-defined identity begins when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Personal Savior. Years ago, I had to invite him to come into my life. I'd been raised in church. I knew the hymns. I knew the creeds. I could probably still repeat some of them. I witnessed in Grant Park when I would have gone to hell if I'd have died. Because I hadn't made him mine. I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus your Jesus this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus your Jesus. There's no formula for that. You just invite him to come in. You know, when I was younger, I had to say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me and come into my life and be my Savior and be my Lord. And you know what he did? Because I asked him. See, Jesus in Revelation says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, I'll come in. He's waiting to come into the door of your heart if you've never opened it. 